Black people's locations are sometimes are not a uh, beautiful architecture. They are just, they could be some storefront that was a church on Sunday. And then it, it was a breakfast program Monday through Friday. And then maybe some other group held a day camp there during the summer. Like it could be anything at these storefronts. So they may not always be beautiful, but they may mean something to our history. And I think a lot of us should really look at our communities, what's important, because that gives our young people a sense of identity when they're coming and going, walking to school. Like imagine what our mentality would be if you walked by the Black Panther Party headquarters <laughs> every day and you knew that even yeah. though they weren't in operation anymore. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, that was the Black, oh, I know the Black Panther, their headquarters right down, you know, you, you have a sense of identity. From Harold Washington to Harold's Chicken and everything in between and beyond, Sociology is the exploration of Chicago culture, history, legends, stories, and fiction through a myriad of discussions with Chicagoans themselves. Lou Palmer was a black American journalist that came to the city of Chicago in the 1950s, and he did a lot of work for the Chicago Defender as well as other Chicago publications. After the assassinations of Fred Hampton and Mark Clark on December 4th, 1969, he wrote that it was enough to make a Negro turn black. Now the building where Fred Hampton and Mark Clark were murdered at no longer exists, but there is another property that sits there in its place. But how many Chicagoans know about the history that occurred at that location? Not many. This is why the Historical Preservation Society of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party was created. Layla Wills is the co-founder and executive director of this organization. Their sole mission is to fight for landmark status for locations like that, as well as other places where the Black Panther Party here in Chicago met, dwelled, and organized. They are fighting to get that landmark status preserved in stone. So in this episode of Sociology, Layla is going to go into more details about this mission, about how the organization came about, and a journey along the way as they accumulate more and more locations about the Black Panther Party here in Chicago and in Illinois, about the history history that we do not know, but we need to know. Let's get right into it. Like, you are the offspring of two Panthers from Chicago. So, you know, you grew up in Algale Gardens, South Side, 130th. I'm very familiar with the area. I'm from Riverdale, Mark from the South Suburbs. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us about, like, your childhood, you know, being raised by two Black Panthers. What was that like? So, by the time, um, um, Let's see. So, you know, the party in Chicago pretty much ended by like the mid 70s. So um, it wasn't an active presence with me coming up under that influence, except for the influence of my parents and, and their comrades and, and friends. The party wasn't um, still in effect during my entire childhood at all. So um, it was, you know, I, my memories, I don't have memories of like being at the office and, and mm -hmm. things like that, but, um, I was there <laughs> and was in the, the daycare and things like that, but, um, their political viewpoints is what is most memorable about my upbringing and how they, my family just wasn't the traditional, um, type of black family. And we moved from Algale to, um, to Roseland. So that's really where I spent the majority of my childhood. So by then there was no um, breakfast programs or anything 
like that. So it wasn't until I was older where I would be with my father <clears throat> or my mom and uh, where they would, they were really telling me the story of the Black Panther Party by location, which is now oh. what I'm trying to do, which is say, we used to have an office right here. This used to be a Panther crib right here and, and kind of things. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure how it is nowadays, but we definitely did not learn about the Black Panther Party in school. You know, so, it's, yeah. it's still that way. Yeah, we I yeah. didn't learn anything about the Black Panther Party at all, you know. At all, it's right? Like, it's like in history class, they tell you about Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Rosa Parks. They and you know, they might mention uh a Huey Newton or Bobby Seal, but then that's it. I never read about Fred Hampton in a public school uh history book ever. Right. Yeah. So that's a big part of what we're we're trying to do now. So I was ignorant, too, even though I was from parents from the Black Panther Party. But as far as uh, some kind of formalized teaching, um, I didn't have that either, except for our own research. And and back then we had a lot of black bookstores. So you could go to black bookstores and black libraries and see some of those uh, newspapers and stuff from from back in the day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So even though the Panthers' uh, presence had subsided, you know, by the time you was coming up, um, you, you mentioned that, you know, your parents would point out locations and places where gathering spots and, you know, meeting spots were. What, what can you recall was like one of the first locations that you remember um, your parents telling you about? Uh, the Southside office, 4233 South Indiana. And that's probably pretty much because we were from the South side and that's where I spent most of my time. I wasn't from the West side and spent a lot of time on the West side to know 2350 West Madison until I was older and went over there. And um, that the West side, Chicago period was home to all kinds of black thought, you know, the Black Panther party, uh, the Moorish Science Temple, the Nation of Islam, the, you know, Dr. King's following and uh, other political schools of thought and religious thought, um, too. So, but yeah, 4233 South Indiana, uh, which is in Bronzeville, was the was the main place that I remember. There was a lot of activities surrounding that location. A lot of party members lived in the area. There were um, a lot of programs in the area. And we're currently compiling a lot of the programs that took place you know, in Bronzeville by that location. So, so mm -hmm. 4233 Indiana is right off Michigan Avenue. But if you went a little bit more West, um, at, back in the day, there would be the Robert Taylor homes. Yes. And so there were, a, it was almost like another office was over there too. There was a church, I think it was like 4837 South State Street, something like that. And, mm -hmm. um, they, the Panthers had a lot of activity going on out of those, out of that church too. Mm. So it's kind of wherever the programs were, you could, you could find hubs of activity also, even though we would have official offices, like the West side office was the official headquarters. And then there was a South side office, mm. but that 2350 was the West side headquarters. That was headquarters. But it wow, so that's interesting because I literally never know that it was uh, and that's why we're having this conversation first and foremost because a lot of these spots have been gone overlooked they've been buried they've been erased um from history so that's why we're having this conversation that's why you're doing the work you're doing which we're going to get into very soon but I never knew that it was a Panthers meeting spot you know near 
the Robert Taylor homes at the church near the Robert Taylor homes. And my family is from Brownsville. My grandmother lived in Brownsville my entire life. So I'm very familiar with the Robert Taylor homes, the Stateway Gardens, you know, that entire State Street, you know, corridor. Um, but I never knew that until now. Yeah. So, so did you, cause one thing I got to get you, if you, did you get the newspaper or the book that we did? Uh, the Southside Weekly? No, no, no. no. There, um, um, so we did, and, and that's okay if you don't have it. So, uh, yeah, this is my newspaper. okay. So in this newspaper uh, is all about the Illinois chapter and how, how it started. There are, on, it's a free online version of it too. Um, but what my point with this is that in the back, are the locations that uh, we have oh. compiled so far. Okay. okay? So uh, this whole page right here, Black Panther Party sites in yes. Illinois uh, will be very educational. Um, so we'll get you a physical copy, but like I said, it's free online. The same thing with this book. This is also free. Uh, you can download a free digital copy, but I'll make sure you get a physical one. Okay. And in the back are the, um, so it talks about the origins of the, Illinois chapter and then the locations are back here too oh that's a gold so, mine oh yeah so it and it's a work in progress so I'm just getting more locations and I know we haven't got here yet but I'm, I'm getting more locations once we started putting this information out from photographers from back then mm. from people who were in the rainbow coalition then the then there was the intercommunal survival committee so mm -hmm. i'm getting more locations to so that we can learn just how extensive the party's work was and not just in chicago which which is very extensive but um across the the whole state so we have the um you know breakfast programs meeting places police shooting locations, assassination locations, raid locations, uh, medical center, all those kinds of free food giveaway, all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'll am i make sure I get you these next week, okay? Yes, yes, please. And I'll make sure I include the link in the uh, episode description for those listeners so they can download that as well. That's a goal. Yeah, totally mind. free. Yes. Um, okay, yeah, so perfect. So let's just really like fast forward. So, you know, you was raised by the Panthers, like we said, uh, was it always like a underlying mission of yours to, you know, investigate the uh, history of the Black Panther Party here in Illinois? Like, because you was raised by two Panthers, was that kind of like, you know, just in the forefront of your mind or did you just kind of end up here by happens chance? Well, uh, yeah, so I it wasn't something in the forefront of my mind, like coming up. I think that when we're young, uh, whether you're in school or, or not in school or whatever it is, I think the first part of our adult life, and I mean young adult life, like eight, 17, 18 uh, up, you're kind of on your own quest of knowledge kind of thing. So you're reading, you're investigating, you're studying. So I was um, looking at and, and um, researching all kinds of things and living my own life at the same time so it wasn't until so anyway my my this the black panther party has just been an influence but it was kind of like subconscious because i it wasn't in my brain but it was right. always there and it, it 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 explains a lot of the moves that i've made and decisions that i've made um through my life so i've always been a researcher a writer and that kind of thing but only until I want, I think it was like 2019 where I was, I've researched other 
groups and thoughts and things like that and written written about it. But it wasn't until I was over working with um, Fred Hampton Jr. Uh, he's chairman of the Black Panther Party Cubs, his organization. I was over there working with him on the Hampton House to landmark in Maywood, in Maywood Illinois. That's when, uh, so I'm interviewing a lot of the party members, informal conversations, going out into the field. And that's when I was really like, whoa, I, it didn't occur to me until then how extensive their work was in Chicago and then and Rockford and Waukegan and Peoria and all these other places in um, Illinois. Uh, be, you know, it just didn't occur to me. So that when I was over there with him is when I was doing that research and, and started compiling these addresses and, and reading police files and uh, the Chicago History Museum has files and the Black Panther Party newspaper. So all these places have addresses of activities and what were going on there. And that's when it dawned on me just how extensive their work was um, in Chicago to only be around for such a, a short time. Yeah. So if that's really pretty recent. And just if you, we still haven't even gotten to the surface of telling the story, because if you just take one location, like if me and you just broke down what was happening at that church, I was telling you about it, Robert Taylor Homes. So there was a breakfast program. Then there was like people tried, other people tried to start a free medical center, but the people didn't go, they weren't responsive to that, but they were responsive to the Panthers looking. So it's like each, each location, we could break down a lot of Chicago's history <laughs> just from the perspective of what the Panthers were were doing you know in those parts of town wow I mean yeah because like I'm just trying to figure out where to start you know because like you said such a short period of time like how long do you think the presence of the Black Panther Party was in Chicago or let's just say Illinois because it's the Illinois chapter let's just say Illinois like how long do you think that presence was like so uh 68 is when uh, it started, the Illinois right. chapter started. And our primary years of focus is until 1974, okay? Now, somewhere, it's hard to pinpoint some of these exact dates at this stage of my research, but I'm sure that we'll be able to come across the exact data. I, I'm in touch with some people who um, kept a lot of records, like other reporters and stuff, but we just haven't gotten together yet. So I would say around 75, 76 is, is probably, we could say is a safe period on how long the Illinois chapter existed. Now at that, that's the Illinois chapter, but Oakland of course is the party's headquarters. So there was still, and uh, activity going on in Oakland. And remember how young the party was too. So they were kind of, you know, uh, the minister would, which is Huey Newton, he would change or make changes. And um, and then, you know, they may go into a slightly different direction. Like, it, like in the 60s, he said, you know, we want to focus more on our programs. You know, first it was the Black Panther Party for self-defense, where self-defense was the primary focus against police brutality and oppression. And then it was like, let's focus more on the programs and the, the social things, the breakfast program, medical, blah, 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 all that stuff. They had ambulance services and free food and um, I think extermination services and all kind of stuff, totally free 
to, to the people. So by the mid seventies, you know, that 75, 76, I'm talking about, uh, they had asked resources that chapters had, and I'm specifically talking about Illinois because I can't speak for anybody else, to send those kind of things to Oakland. So like we had a printing press that went to Oakland. We had a free bus for prison. So that went to Oakland. And I would say by then that you could see it all starting to um, you know, slow down. Uh, the party members were growing themselves some went back to school to pursue careers some started running for office and a lot of them are still uh in positions in chicago now they're still influencers of decision making in chicago mm -hmm. now and and the reason why i ask is because you know fred hampton was like what 21 when he was assassinated you know he was very young i'm about to be 35 this year and i can't even imagine leading a movement so powerful the way he did and he did it in such a short amount of time essentially that was like two years worth of work that he did you know as the deputy chairman and you know the chairman of the illinois chapter um and within that time frame so even just if we're just talking about his tenure two years right but if we look at the tenure of the entire illinois chapter which is we say roughly eight years within those short periods of time you had all of these locations accumulated in the city and like you said neighboring counties you know Rockford, Waukegan, Peoria, Central Illinois that were making an impact in the communities that's amazing when you really like just look at the magnitude of that and you say you still haven't even scratched the surface of your research yet. Yeah so um the first part is compiling these um addresses some of them we've gone into the field to investigate and of course um, because of gentrification and, and other reasons, a lot of them don't even exist anymore. So now I just had an email from somebody else who he had done research on Chairman Fred himself, like, uh, I don't know how many years ago. So he's sending me his notes. And in his notes, I've uh, I he, are new addresses that I didn't know about. So we have the places where, you know, the last place he gave his speech, the, um, the apartment where he assassinated they tore that building down and now there's another structure in the same place they tore down the the west side office and the south side office and the medical center so it's almost an urgent situation where we've already lost our major locations but we have to make sure that the panthers are not wiped out of the city's history and the state's history from the landscape also so yes the structures may not be there but we are trying to get markers um at those locations you know um so yeah so we haven't scratched the research because it's there's some urgent things that need to happen immediately and as the research continues and our organization is this was our first year 2022 first year of operation and we got a really good response from the public we have offers of volunteers so now it's a matter of organizing these forces um so that we can get more research done now before it was just like me and um i have a, a two loyola graduate students um they've graduated now and they're now actual historians okay. adam Eunice and uh, mikey spain and they were helping me with all this research and landmarks illinois uh the chicago history museum and all kind of resources that that we have but now 
you know, hopefully we'll be able to organize a little bit more and keep it going. But it, this is a long project. It's not a short project at all. But guess what? We owe it to even uh, Chicago Public School students. Mm -hmm. We just want to have these resources of education available, you know. Yeah. For 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 uh, public school students, college students, uh, and just learners of history. Period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's necessary because you know Chicago, as we know, is a very historical city. A lot oh, yeah. of history has happened here. You know, you walk down Fifty um, Third Street to Half Park, you're gonna see the monument where uh, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama had their first date. Right, you're gonna see the monument testimony to that. You're gonna see statues of Stephen Douglas in, you know, Bronzeville, you know, because the community is named after him. You know, the whole thing about Columbus statue, statue you know, a couple uh, summers ago, you know, there's all these markers around the city, but yet, you know, you're trying to tell me that we can't have markers that tells me this is where the headquarters of the Black Panther Illinois party was. Like, I don't, I don't even know where that is. You know, like you said, the building is gone, but like, what's there now? You know, I would it's, it's a Walgreens. It's a Walgreens. There is this, uh, now I'm new to this. We just talked about the year 2019 when I started all this research. Now, there, what I learned was there is a something in pre preservation called the 50-year rule. So there is a 50-year rule where, um, let's take the Black Panther Party, and you cannot seek landmark status for a person or organization or even a building um, unless the significant period was 50 years ago or more. Now this rule exists because I guess uh, from what I read, it was it was put in place so to prevent like political partisan type of things, you know, a one-sided view. So after 50 years, so now it's like the Panthers are 50 years later, it's politically correct and acceptable to talk about them. But before this time, they were a victim of victims of a 50 year smear campaign. You know, first it was just like they're cop killers, they're this, they're that. And we had we were just there having to take take that you know because no matter what your your objection was it was only so much mass media was going to put out on the party so now this 50-year rule has passed and and yeah we're trying to set the record straight things have changed during that time even the landscape of media local media people like you where the educational part of the panther party is now getting out so that's so so you not knowing where that was we were all ignorant of a lot of things and so that's what we're it's it's fun too though it is fun okay. um because it's it's enlightening it's it's i learn something new every single day i just talked to one of the party members in california and um, we were talking about the event that we had in October and I didn't even know. I said, yeah, I think October would be a great month for our annual event because that's the month the party was founded in Oakland in 1966. And it's before winter and we, you know, we don't want people coming out in the snow and all that stuff. And so he told me that a while ago, the Panther Party had designated October as Black Panther Party history month so all of the chapters and everybody um and this is in recent years not in the 60s but mm -hmm. in recent 
years, where all the chapters should be educating their communities on, on the history and legacy of the Black Panther Party. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. But that's something I just learned. So <laughs> mm -hmm. my point is that we're all ignorant uh, as we in, in embark on this because it wasn't, the path wasn't laid out there before. Yeah. And the good news is that they were so young. We have a lot of them still with us where we're not reliant on scholars and people who weren't there and they just did their own research. Now we're reading their interpretations yeah, of what yeah. happened. We can yeah. hear from the party members yes. um, themselves. Yes. What and they call first-hand account. Because the, the, the work um, you and your organization is doing is like, it's going to be huge for the next generation because, you know, 50 years from now, you know, those Panthers, they won't be here. You know, eventually you won't be here. Eventually I won't be here, but the, the history will be written already. And that's why it's so, the gravity of this work is so huge and so strong because we need to know these things, right? Just how we need to know our family history. We need to know the history of what goes on in our city and like what went on in our city and where it happened. You know, so you say the the site of the headquarters is a wall race now, okay? Um, what What's some other sites like, are they just mostly like vacant lots now or like condos you know like what's some other things that you've discovered like as you went to these locations first i I'm, i didn't even say this at the top but thank you for having me because you being so enthusiastic and wanting to know these things is just you know it's very gratifying to let us know that it's landing like it, it's landing it's not yes. just this is what we need to do and then nobody cares so um it's important it a lot. yeah yeah so, so yeah, the, the West High office is a Walgreens. Now, um, that is in, is that, would that be categorized as Lawndale? Uh, I'm just trying to, I was trying to make a point with gentrification. So yeah. gentrification is something that has been ongoing before now, okay? Like even Lincoln Park was not link the Lincoln Park oh, that you see today. Okay. There were Puerto Ricans there, the young lords, you know, uh, and other groups that were there that got moved out. And now it is a, a yuppie paradise. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's not this current state of gentrification that has torn these properties down. It was something that has already happened. I, I, I think I'll add that to the research on what years these places were torn down. So I believe that 2350 on the West side has been torn down for a long time, but that Walgreens is kind of new. Okay. Oh. Now the, the South side office, <clears throat> there was a South side office on 35th and King drive. There's a new building hmm. there. Okay. Really? Yeah, okay. right on the corner where that chase. Um, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. That it's, was it's like a. That was the docks over there now. Yeah. Okay. That that corner was the Black Panther Party office. Hmm. Later, I believe, came the office on at forty two thirty three South Indiana. There's a it, that is a house next door, some storefronts on the corner, but it's a tree growing up where the party's location actually was mm. the medical center on 16th street on the west side empty lot okay now <clears throat> those would be what i would consider our main locations so they're all gone every last main location is gone now we're down to program locations so like the better boys foundation <clears throat> at uh on pulaski on the west side that's still there okay that was the first 
breakfast program location for the Black Panther Party in, in Chicago. It's a new structure, but it's the same organization and the same location. Okay. So um, a lot of the parties uh, breakfast programs were out of churches. So a lot of those churches are still there too. The main meeting place of the party in Chicago where they would have public meetings and things like that was the People's Church. That is the uh, Epiphany Center for the Arts, Epiphany Arts Center on, um, I don't know. I know these addresses by heart. I don't it's know why. It's a lot of addresses. It's a lot of addresses I, to keep up with. It's a lot of addresses. One South Ashland. I was like, I, I know these, you know, by heart. So that structure is still there, still okay. beautiful. And it's already a landmark. Now the current, it's not a church anymore. They used to call it, it wasn't even the, the real name wasn't the people's church in the sixties, but they called it the people's church. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the owners, the current owners are taking very good care of the building. So that's one location that's already a landmark where what we're going to do is add the Panther Party's narrative to that landmark. Okay. So that'll be our first place besides the, the um, home childhood home of Chairman Fred, which has already been secured locally, but okay. not nationally. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I, we want to have some physical landmarks like the people's church, the Better Boys Foundation, and we have identified a few more that we, we're still discussing, and then get some markers at the locate at our at that Walgreens, like somewhere um, you know, outside of that and the South Side offices. So currently, just to finish this point, we we started working with the state of Illinois first. Okay. So okay. that's where national status, you get the national uh landmark status. That's the first place. Now we do need to work with the city of Chicago locally for that Walgreens place to, to get permission to put something on the sidewalk okay. or the street. Okay. So um, we presented to the city last year and we haven't heard anything back yet. So we're getting more allies and forces and we're, we're gonna start, this is gonna become an issue soon that um, I'll let you know if we need some additional support when dealing with the city of Chicago, because you know, that could be kind of a very um, controversial relationship, but you know, it's well within our rights to, to do what we're setting out to yeah. do. And, and, you know, I'm glad that you said what you just said, because I was that was going to be my next question, the difference between the national status and all that. So essentially, you get the national status from the state. The state secures that for you, which says this location is a national land historical landmark. However, if you want to put the monuments and the markers there, the city itself has to give you permission to do that. So I will assume I will assume. Um, the first point of contact will have to be the alderman of that particular ward. Is that how that process works? So we're still working through the, the progress uh, process. But what we did was Chicago has a commission for land, a landmarking commission. Okay. Yeah. Like a group of people that are appointed by the mayor and they hear these, um, you know, CVS high school, whoever you name anywhere, they have to be presented before the landmarking commission. So uh, there was an alderman in some of these locations and then some of the aldermen, you know, get flipped when it's election time kind of thing. So we're, we weren't at that stage yet because, like I said, this was our first year of operation. So a lot of this research in the background 
has been going on. But now this year, 2023, is when we're, we'll really start making a lot of overtures for these things. Now, I just want to say one thing, because I think landmarking and historic preservation is important to Black people, even whether it's the Black Panther Party or not. Um, because our we've always, since we arrived in Chicago during the Great Migration, we've been moved around, you know, at the whim of whoever, like, like, we will take this now, like y'all get out of here. And I think that we should take stock of the personalities of our community and what is important to us because nobody can tell us what's important and what should or should yes. not be landmarked, even if it was a barbershop. Like one of my main arguments is, and I don't really have to argue because I have nothing but supporters. We have nothing but supporters who are helping right now, you know, but Black people's locations are sometimes are not uh, beautiful architecture. They are just, they could be some storefront that was a church on Sunday and then it, it was a breakfast program Monday through Friday. And then maybe some other group held a day camp there during the summer. Like it could be anything at these storefronts. So they may not always be beautiful, but they may mean something to our history. And I think a lot of us should really look at our communities, what's important because that gives our young people a sense of identity when they're coming and going walking to school like imagine what our mentality would be if you walked by the black panther party headquarters <laughs> every day and you knew that even yeah. though they weren't in operation anymore yeah. you're like oh that was the black oh i know the black panther their headquarters right down you know you you have a sense of identity you know yeah yeah and and that's yeah. that's real man that's real like you know again like when you made the comment about the church at the robert taylor homes I went past them so many times, I, I can't even count, you know, and like, I still don't live too far from that area, you know, it's nothing but about a 10, 15 minute drive to get there, and it's like, wow, like, this entire time, you know, because like, okay, for example, we know Candyman was filmed at Cabrini Green. Yeah. Cabrini Green is famous because of Candyman, right? So, you know, whenever you drive past Cabrini Green, um, to this day, you know, the row houses is the only thing that's left there. But like, first thing that will come to mind would be Candyman. So when you bring this knowledge to people's minds about, okay, this is where the first uh, medical center was that the Black Panther Party installed in the city. This is where, you know, the headquarters was. It it it, it would hit differently in your mind. Like, wow, this, this is it. This is history right here. You know, um, because again, we can't just ignore history because you know, what uh, critics want to say, you know, and, you know, the false narratives. History is history. Again, we can have a monument because the 44th president went on his first date on 53rd Street. Surely we can have a monument, you know, about what the Panthers was doing in 68, 69, 70. I don't see what the problem is. I'm not a politician, you know, but I don't see how this isn't just, okay, cool. You know, like y'all want to make movies about it. You know, they put out Judas and the Black Messiah a couple of years ago. And, you know, a lot of people like the film, but a lot of places, a lot of scenes in that movie, I didn't know where it was. I just knew it was in Chicago. <laughs> no, I just knew that. Yeah, a lot of it wasn't filmed in Chicago, so you wouldn't have right. been able to point right, out. Right, right, right. But, you know, just like as far as like the historical, uh, you know, events, like I just know it was in Chicago on the West Side somewhere. I can't tell you where they was at, you know, what they right. was doing, you know. Yeah. So these markers are necessary. And like when you present this, is it just like a 
Is it like a bundle package? Like, so you got all these addresses, right? Oh, that's a good. I, that's a good question. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a great, great question. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, question, no, no, no. Because I want to. Because I'm curious to know that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great question because it's that's important to make the distinction. Okay. So because we have so many properties at, associated with the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther party what we're seeking is what is called and this is state level okay so right now the focus is state level um so what we're we're seeking is called a thematic listing theme like a theme okay. so um of course every location like right now we have over 80 locations so all of those locations are not going to be landmarks um, and another thing I wanted to point out before I continue is that getting a landmark, getting landmark status will not protect the building from demolition and a lot of other things that state designation. However, the city designation will. So mm. that's why on uh, an actual landmark, you have to you want the local status and you also want the national status, but the national will not protect you. There are some other benefits, but that's not one of them okay yeah so um so what we're seeking is called a thematic listing for the illinois for sites of the illinois chapter of the black panther party yeah so our thematic listing is the same as if we were um you know another thematic listing could be firehouses built in the 1800s okay so so you may have a firehouse built in the 1800s scattered throughout the state of illinois but that would be part of this thematic historical listing okay so that's what we're seeking black panther party sites in illinois now through our these addresses that that are in here and in the newspaper we will determine which ones we'll go after. So in so this year, like I said, we said the People's Church, the Better Boys Foundation, and there's a few others. And that's to establish the national uh, a thematic listing on the national registry. So we are scheduled to pre present to the state of Illinois in June this year down in Springfield to to apply for and um you know so much research and paperwork that is just not done yet uh, to to apply for and for them to vote on a registry for the thematic listing for the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party now with that will come listings and all kinds of tourism things and stuff on the state's website but that does not leave us from the burden of seeking those uh recognitions locally to get those uh monuments or something there now what i want to say about the monuments and the markers is things got dicey i don't know where this argument is now but when they started removing those statues during the protests and all that kind of stuff in my opinion that set a bad precedent. So you remember the Columbus statue that was in Grant Park and the, the Italians really protested that. And, you know, I was not in agreement to removing these statues because you can't erase history. Now, somebody, mm -hmm. some group found it important enough to put a monument of Columbus in Grant Park. Now, the question is why, who, you, you could do the research, but um, we also want to have our own monuments. So if we start removing other communities' mm -hmm. monuments, where's that going to our argument? Because yeah. one of the biggest 
enemies or or uh, antagonist of the Black Panther Party is the Chicago Police Department. That's a historic problem there. So if we say, oh, they can't have this statue, then you know that where does that leave our argument? So I don't think we should have should have removed that Columbus statue. But if another group was interested, like Native Americans or our community or whoever, you erect your own monument and tell your own history and then you let the people decide. These are the contradictions that occur in this country. Like this is a country that had um, genocide of the Native Americans, slavery of black people. There, And the Panther Party is not a hit. That's why it's taking so long because this history is not a feel good history. A lot of bloodshed happened and it was a, a lot of turmoil so it's not an easy story to tell <clears throat> and that's why we shouldn't tear down other people's monuments with those difficult stories we need to just erect our own and then let the people learn from each one you know i understand what you're saying because um you know even though the Columbus statue was gone, we know what Columbus did and who he was. You know, um, that's never that's never going to be a race. I get what you're saying, just like with the Confederate statues. Even though we don't, there's no Confederate statues in Illinois, but down south, I get it. Like you want to remove them, all right, but they still did what they did, and you know they still, you know they still existed. So um, I definitely understand the point that you were making there because I can see the pushback now. You know, I can I can just see it brewing. You know, like the the organization makes this move to have a monument built of you know whatever at whatever um location that the Panther Party was uh, active at, and you know you're gonna have people saying something. You know, and even though at the in the grand scheme of things, who cares? But that's still a real obstacle because politics is a real thing and in Chicago we know politics is very very hard to navigate probably the hardest to navigate in the entire country yeah and the Panthers were a political organization <clears throat> and they went head-to-head -head with the politi politicians of of our city and all of us are taxpayers so the argument can be um, they could make it, they could try to make it emotional or whatever they want to do, but we have the facts and the Panther Party means something to us and our community and a lot of other communities. So we, we're, we're there for it, like whatever y'all want to do, we, we, we there for it, you, yeah. you know, but, um, that's why I didn't agree with that whole, um, tearing down the statue. What you do is just raise the contradiction. So if you had in the South, if you have a Confederate soldier, they could have put a, one of the union soldiers or a freed, a freedman who was, you know, or something yeah. uh, to tell the complete story because we are all telling history from our vantage point. So that's why school, we would reject the history they're giving us from their vantage point. But now here we are, we had to start a whole historical organization to tell the black panther party's history you know from our vantage point yeah yeah man so you know it's all this work that you uh the organization is doing and you know i'm thinking about it like what you said on the the city level the community level you know is sites in peoria rockford waukegan like you said so that's work too right like you guys have to go down there and up there and over there to present to those city councils to do the same thing so we have, so every place won't be, once we have that national listing for the thematic listing, Yes. 
then we don't really have to go to each individual um, municipality unless we were going to make we were going to ask for landmarks in those places. So we do have addresses in Rockford, Peoria, and these other places. Now, um, so that wouldn't be our immediate focus to seek landmarks there. I think the most urgent uh, landmarks are our major sites in Chicago. Now, if we can make it through that, I think we'll be okay. Like Hampton House made it through Maywood and that Maywood Village Council, they were very supportive the whole time. Like there was, there hasn't been any opposition, but there hasn't been anyone to go do this in the city of Chicago yet. So that's what we're preparing to do. That's going to tell us a lot, but our first thing is going to be the state level. And once we get that level, that covers Peoria, DeKalb, all those all those kind of places that have Black Panther Party um, locations, you know. But, um, but you do have to add each property to the thematic listing. Right. If, if you, okay. Of course, yeah. It yeah. doesn't mean they're automatically part of it just because they had a breakfast program <laughs> right 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 right. got it so so um you guys you got the landmark status for uh chairman's home you know for his home uh in maywood yeah yeah okay. now just a quick note like we didn't get that status for his home i just wanted to say that before mm-hmm. you continue with that question you could ask the question but we were working on it and then i went and did this and then there was a lot going on with that movie and stuff so just Okay. It just got done. Okay, got it. Got <laughs> it. Okay. Um, what about the site where uh Chairman Fred Hampton was assassinated? Is that building still there? It is. So that well, no, but that's a good question. So the address 2337 West Monroe, where he was assassinated, that original structure is not there. But there is another building that is there, and they kept the same address. We do have that on our list. We are seeking that address as part of our thematic listing because that is a huge, important part of the story of the Illinois chapter. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I was just curious because, you know, all of the talk about his childhood home, I was curious to know about, you know, um, on that fateful night, December 4th, 1969, what was going on there too, okay. Yeah, Okay. Now his, his, uh, Chairman Fred's mother, Mrs. Hampton, um, from what I understand, she told one of the lawyers at the time, and I mean, Chairman Fred's senior's mother, Mrs. Iberia Hampton, she she didn't want that street named after him. Uh, so yeah, so we we're not going to make a big out of that having that in mind. We do want that part as part of our thematic listing, but we don't want to make it a ce- celebratory type of thing. Correct. You know, yeah. it's a dark day in yeah. what what happened over there. Yeah. 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 I just yeah. want to make that that note. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, because I could only imagine, like, but again, you know, people still need to know at least where it is, you know. So I definitely okay. support, you know, her um thoughts for not no, do not name this after my son. This is not what I want my son named after. It's a me, it's a whole bunch of things you can name after him, you know, but yes. no, not this. Um, but yeah, but to know these things, and again, it just comes back to the crux of the whole matter, which is it's necessary, you know. We have to know, you know, it's necessary, you know, because it's like I'm only 34, all right? But 
I remember it's a lot of things I remember from my childhood again, Bronzeville, Southside, that doesn't exist anymore. You know, it's a lot of things that changed within my lifetime. So I can only imagine how much has changed within 50 years. I can only imagine how much, how many things have been torn down, built up, torn down again. You know, so it's like, again, eventually all of this is going to fade away. And when it does fade away, and there's no one here to tell the story, how does history continue on? You know, when those griots are gone, how does history continue on? You know, and the documentation is so important. Um, One thing I wanted to ask is this book. um, Has it been any talk or any thought about possibly getting it into Chicago public libraries, perhaps, or... Oh, this book that we just did? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, but to your point, that is so true about that through the years, how, we don't know how much history has been changed or lost through the years. Now, once we get this thematic listing and let's say we're, we successfully get six properties added to it. And I mean, within the next like three or four years, because we're not the only people seeking landmark status. Right, <laughs> like there's right. a whole bunch of people in the state. Yeah. So it's not like they're just at our beck and call. There's a whole bunch of people. Yeah. So this is a project even 20 years from now that people hopefully who come behind us will still be able to identify properties, build curriculums, learning curriculums around the, the, this, all this documentation that has to happen and, and other things. So this book that we did was really for, um, the Illinois chapter, I, I wanted them to really fact check it, right, before we did some huge push. So right now it's free uh, and available to the public. And um, I just, so far I have one missing location in here and, mm-hmm. and I have some more locations. So what I'm thinking about is just, you know, make it a little more fancy schmancy, putting some more addresses yeah. here. Um, but yeah, I could totally give it to um, the library. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah, and I'm just curious good. because, you know, libraries are a source of uh, research and, you know, uh, knowledge. Yeah. So I was just curious, even though that it is free, but, you know, everyone doesn't, unfortunately, still in 2023, everyone doesn't have access to strong internet and, you know, computers and things like that. So yeah, it was just- No, I think that's right. Excellent idea. I think I think we we need to make that happen. Yeah, yeah. that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, Thank you. So you know, as you continue to build up these lists of addresses, you know, um, from like you said, photographers, other historians, you know, even Panthers themselves, you know, telling you firsthand knowledge. Um, you know, is it ever like a time where you just like stumble across another location, like wow, another one? You know, like how has that been like you know do they just pop up like that the locations i not really so first it was just it was a it was an all-out push like hey i need to interview you they're like i don't you know so we were interviewing them getting uh so some some of those listings you'll still see uh that we don't have the exact address so they'll say well we had a community office on uh I'll just throw this out here 64th and Sangamon but I don't remember the exact address so now that takes some work now because okay. now now I might have to take one of them over there and <laughs> and they'll be like it was right here and then yeah. so you know and that then you look up where if it's an empty lot and, and things like that so yeah. uh so they so they all knew all of the Illinois 
chapter members that we spoke to and everybody that's involved and know about the organization know we're they know we're on a quest for these addresses so now they're coming more like hey did you know about this address and the young lords did this with the party over here and we have a lot of stuff that happened in cabrini green see that's why this is important too because so for your generation uh, part of mine with, with the Candyman thing, but before us, Cabrini Green was known for other reasons. And they had a they had a lot of community activists over there. They were they were given on uh, the daily administration some work back then. You know, they were they it was a more prolific type of ta time. Yeah. So each generation has its own memories of these locations. So that's another reason why we want to have that full picture there. Yeah. 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 So so the addresses do come up in in conversations, but now it's more if they'll call me, they'll say, but did you know about this address? And, you know, so now people know we're looking for these addresses and that's how they send them in. Yeah. How if you can uh, give an estimate, how large do you think the party membership was in Chicago at its peak? I still don't know. I still don't know. And even if um, you read the, because none of them, I haven't really pursued it real. I just asked a few times and then none of them will give me an answer. So then I don't worry about it anymore. And then even when you read the FBI files or the Chicago police files, uh, you don't even see them guesstimating the a membership number. So I don't know. And there was so many different, peak time. So you had the beginning 68 when they started until December 1969 when they assassinated Chairman Fred and, and Mark Clark. So right after that, you could say a lot of the party members left. A lot of people left for whatever reason, for many reasons, I should say, at that time. Then you would have a whole new wave come in. So that new wave in 1970 could have lasted until 72, 73. Then, then you may have another wave. Now, a lot of that could also be age-related. So if they were 15, 16, 17, that would mark a new chapter just in your own biological life where things change and then you, you're off doing something else mm -hmm. too. So yeah, I don't, I don't have that answer. <laughs> and, and the reason why I ask is because again, like, just so many locations in like such a short amount of time you know and you can only imagine like it ain't the same people going to all of these locations which exactly. i'm sure which i'm sure did happen but in most cases it's like you know whoever lived in this neighborhood they met here you know and then when it was time for them to go, yeah then what was happening to them go out west to the main headquarters that's when they went but you know 80 locations and you still find it more and it's like chicago's a big city of course Chicago's a very big city, but it, it, it's just it's just mind blowing to me because I feel like it's still so many out there that you guys haven't uncovered yet. Yeah, so um, part of part of it too was the community dynamic that the party had. So they charged themselves with going. They had uh, they all you know it was politically organized, so everybody had positions or cadres and yeah. you know assignments, and everybody had to work multiple programs. So um, Huey Newton wanted them to start these programs, but the programs were never 
uh, designed for the Black Panthers to continue them themselves. It was to show the people how to do it, how to mm. how to serve the, their own needs in their own community, and then for the people to take it over. So even within a breakfast program, let's say, I don't know, you had six party members there, there could be community workers there. There could be volunteers there. And so once it was under control, that was the idea. So I can't tell you how many that ha actually happened with where mm -hmm. the party went in, started something, then they left and started it somewhere else because the people took it over. But that was the idea. So a lot of those places did have a lot of community involvement, which is why I'm saying that if we went through the list and broke down what was going on in the community, it would be super enlightening too because some of those worker community people may not have joined the party but agreed with 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 yeah they would have they were in agreement on certain other things like serving the needs of the community um you know whatever that thing was if they if they were volunteers at a program they agreed with the black panther party on some level and could have just even been as simple as afraid of the guns <laughs> like Okay, I'm with y'all, but I'm scared of those guns. And I, and I and I got a um interesting point about that. So like about the original template about how the Panthers are supposed to show the community this is the template for the free breakfast program or the free medical center, etc. When I was younger, like I was in high school, I had a conversation with a guy, a man. He was older than me. He had made a point that you know when he was younger, he used to like go down there and volunteer as well, like him and his older brother. But they was doing it secretly, meaning oh. their parents didn't know about it. And when their parents found out about it, they didn't let them do it anymore. And I asked him why. He was like, because I don't want you to come home dead. So, like, when you, as you were saying that last bit, one thing that popped in my head was, like, I wonder how many of the community members actually were afraid to be around the Panthers because although what the Panthers were doing was righteous, it was necessary, it was uh, radical to the status quo of America with three Ks, um, it was still fearful for a lot of people because, you know, they didn't want to go to jail, they didn't want to get killed, you know. Um, do you think that had a huge impact on you know, the community as well, from your vantage point? Yeah, you said, did, did I think it had a huge impact on, what was that? It on the, a little bit. Did you think you, had, on the you think that had a huge impact on the community as well, from your vantage point, like from your research and all of that? Oh, yeah, I would, I would think so. I would think so, because remember that it was a whole, well, before, you know, Dr. King, so Dr. King was assassinated in 68 yeah. when the panther party started right not at the same time but the party started before before that so it was a huge departure from the um strategy of nonviolence, right so you would imagine a lot of people were um adhering to the dr king strategy of non-violence and then here comes the black panther party for self-defense so and there were other self-defense organizations too the deacons for defense and um the black the armed black guard which all of them had uh chapters in chicago too that's what i mean we had a lot of different schools of thought in in chicago all these organizations coexisted so um yeah i would think that the Panther Party with their 
self-defense stance and being openly armed and 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 saying you had a right to defend yourself from uh, racist and oppressive uh, forces and police. Um, I think a lot of people that yeah, yeah, I think that would have been an issue, especially for their parents. Yeah, they, mm -hmm. their parents definitely would have taken an issue with it. And their the Black Panther Party was a political organization. I think that created a lot of division also, you know, because you, you had all these new Black elected officials. You had people who were in bed with Mayor Daley at that time. And, uh, and the Panther Party was going right up against that Daley administration. So that was another thing, too. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would think the gun thing would, would be a major. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. And, you know, I can't speak to I don't have any children at all, but okay. I can't speak to how it is to raise a child in that tumultuous time. You know, the 60s, a lot of things happened in America, but especially black America in the 60s. You know, like you mentioned, Dr. King, Malcolm X, the nation, you know, uh, Vietnam was still going on. That was a huge political yeah. thing. You know, the Panthers, it was, I can't imagine raising a black boy or a black girl during that time. So I can't speak on their decisions if it was right or wrong. Um, but I do want to say it's, it's just, it's heartbreaking because in every single black political movement, whether it was civil rights, the black power movement, you know, the nation, the black Panthers, Cointel Pro and double agents was always that insidious venom that brought it down, you know, um, and that's really was so heartbreaking. As it makes you wonder what could have been if everybody really just saw things from the same vantage point, which is this is for our betterment. You know, um, Dr. King, Malcolm X, Fred Hampton, they may have had different verbiage or they went down, they walked down different avenues, but nonetheless, the destination was the same. But, you know, we still had so many people that were uh, manipulated or, you know, chose the oppressor side, you know, and went against what the Black Panther Party was doing. And it's just real unfortunate. Yeah, I think that one of the lessons we can learn from from the infiltration of the Black Panther Party and other organizations, I think we we really need to accept that we were a conquered people like in slavery are you there hun yeah oh there you are okay when you when you're still i didn't know oh, so, oh yeah i'm here okay so we were a conquered people okay yes. the same way and and i don't mean mentally that's a different argument i i just mean subjugated i i mean we were captured the same way in the 60s there were other struggles against colonialism cuba china uh i think angola there were a lot of other places that were involved in these struggles against colonialism now the panther party and I believe other organizations were very much aware of infiltration. I believe they were very much aware of it. I just don't think they understood how insidious and nasty and, and petty it could be. Meaning like, let me write a letter to his wife that she's sleeping with so-and-so. You know what Please. I'm saying? You would think it, was, it would be more militarily okay, in a physical clash rather than psychological, okay? Yes. So I think I think we under, I'm saying we, even though I wasn't there, but we as a people underestimate the tactics yes. of COINTEL. So 
And they did that with the Stones. They did that with the Black Panthers and the Stones, right? Like they had them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Now they caught on to that one. They, but, but after a minute, but that could have went bad because you have an initial emotional reaction that could get ugly. So moving forward. So when we have these new, new groups that are coming up, like, like, and they have been made in like a, it's almost like a laboratory, but they come out of these institutions and then they become our new civil rights group. Okay. But they were born inside of a college, but not by mm -hmm. the students. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know what I'm trying to say? So mm -hmm. I think that it is not you, us period. When we think, I think it's naive when we think that all of us will always or should go in the same direction. I think that they have bred the mistrust, but I also think the mistrust is needed because we are in another land. Like no matter what the integration is and all that kind of stuff, we were conquered by this country and they were the oppressor and oppressors want to keep their power. So if there are new movements coming up, the oppressor is, they almost have to send people to see what is going on. Do Are we going to have an internal problem while we're having this extra? Like if you're in power, you constantly have to protect your power. <laughs> so I think that if we just are aware of that, we would know how to move a little better in planning our um, future moves for the betterment of the community. Uh, but, to, but I don't think we'll ever be without that kind of influence or other, even globally. So, yes. so- so even other governments get interfered with or some a leader gets poisoned or and there's internal conflicts and there's a coup and that kind of thing. We we if we think on a military level, you 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 know, and our position, it's not equal. So people think that they're actually equal and we're, you know, we have my rights and we don't no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Let's let's understand why we're here, how we got here, and the need of a Black Panther Party, the need of a Dr. King, the need of Malcolm or whoever else you want to. They didn't just spring up because there was not a need there. So I just think uh, we need to mature in our viewpoint and vantage point on on what to expect from organizations, you yes. know, and then I think we'll be okay. That's yeah. not to say like-minded people shouldn't coalesce, but to expect an entire big group to be on one accord, I think is- It's not um, human nature. Not, it's not human yeah. nature. Yeah, it's not yeah. human nature. And I think uh, nowadays we don't, we need more leadership. You know, I think the days of those titanic individuals of, you know, Chairman yeah. Freeman Hampton, Dr. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, those days are over with. Um, yeah. I think nowadays we need more leadership, especially when communication and social media is so huge now. I think we just need more people that's willing to uh, humble themselves, but at the same time do what needs to be done as opposed to allowing ego to disrupt the vision and the clarity, which, you know, again, brings me back to you and your organization and the work that you all are doing, which is it's necessary. So what 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 is the future like for um, the organization and how can people who are listening or watching support the organization efforts going forward? Yeah, so so to your point, I think that um, 
the days of the of leadership today is almost just like what's what we're seeing on social media. I think when we collectively have a need, right? Let's say if it was housing or legal or whatever it is, yes. it's almost like a wave happens and then leadership emerges. Like they're like, oh, this guy is a lawyer in charge. Let me listen to see what he's got to say. So this guy is talking from his you know, um, expertise, then the, another need, but, but us having an all encompassing leader, I don't think is wise at all. Yeah. Now, what we do different. So, so I'm over here in my own lane with the historical preservation society. Like it's very hyper-focused on the Illinois chapter of the black Panther party, but that's not to say I don't have needs where I'm checking in with other people who are on top of that issue. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I think that if we just leadership emerges as it needs to um, based on people's expertise, but not a personality leader, not sure. based on somebody's personality. So our organization this year, uh, we had our first operational year in 2022, which went really good. Mm -hmm. We had a really great response. We our, our main mission is educational for the about the Illinois chapter. So the newspaper the book, the website, we have a lot of other educational materials. We had two events which, which featured people from the Illinois chapter. So we're right on our mission. And this year we just wanna to continue to do the same, except for this year is actually when we're going for that landmarking piece in the state of mm -hmm. Illinois. So that's a big thing. I'll keep you posted on that. <clears throat> now the people, if they could join our email list, it'd be very simple to keep in touch. Cause, and that's how we make announcements. We have a new interview with this chapter member. We have this free book for you. We have, you know, we just, I just uh, gave away a free calendar. <laughs> So okay. they just have to go online to download nice. free calendar. They could take it to like their favorite printer, like Kinko's or FedEx or somewhere. And yeah. it probably would cost like $2 to print, but they could okay. just, it's free. You know, that's all they have to do. So okay. we, we want to keep doing things like that. So that's, that's all. Oh, the website is um, ilbpp.org, like Illinois Black Panther Party. So ilbpp.org and just join the email list. The free ebook is there. The newspaper's there. The calendar's there. Okay. And we'll keep you posted on our next events. Perfect. Stuff. I'll make sure I put the email address, I mean, the website in the uh, episode description. Um, cool. But yeah, this this is amazing. You know, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and sociology about everything that the um, organization is doing to preserve the history of the Black Panther Party in Chicago and in Illinois, because it's necessary and we definitely need it. So before we go, thank you for having me too. And I love your podcast, but uh, tell me why you named it that. I just wanted to understand. Oh, it's sociology. Oh yeah. Sociology. Um, yeah. So the original name was Chicagoology, uh, but that was taken. It was already uh, taken, and um, I'm not sure if he had it trademarked or whatever, but it was taken already because I had the idea, I conceived the idea about 10 years ago, but okay. I didn't start it until 2020. So oh. it took me 10 years to actually get the confidence and start it. Like, I, I actually got notes in my emails from 10 years ago with, you know, basically what we're doing right now. And um, so the original name was Chicagoology, and I, um, Chicagoology was taken, so I was bouncing ideas around with one of my friends. And um, her name is uh, Ebony Frazier, because I want her name to be known so she can get the credit. 
you know. Um, but you know, she basically was like, "What about sociology?" I'm like, "Hmm, that'll work." Because again, my old notes, I had two concepts. Chicagoology was one of them, but then sociology was another one. It was an entire different concept, though, like a whole another platform. So I'm like, that's literally like both of them combined. So that's that's how it came a about. Great name. Thank yeah, you. that's a great title. I, yeah. I really like it a lot. That's how I came Yeah, about. well, thank you. Yeah. So congrats, Ebony. That was a good move. <laughs> good guidance. Mm -hmm. But um, thanks for having us on to talk about all these things. And uh, I'll keep you posted and, you know, invite you to the next events and send you all this this stuff, too. But uh, your interest in it really, really means a lot. That was Layla Wills, co-founder and executive director of the Historical Preservation Society of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. Now, don't forget to go to www.ilbpp.org to follow the organization and know about all of the updates as they fight to get these landmark statuses preserved and finalized, as well as to download your free calendar and the book with all the locations they've accumulated thus far. If you enjoyed this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on right now, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, etc., leave a five-star review and a comment. Let us know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe to our sister podcast, Mogul Motivation, from True Stories Media.